You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, HSM? It is Pastor Claire here, and I am coming at you legit podcast style. We had a little bit of a problem with last week's audio recording at HSM, so I am sitting in my room with my notes and my cup of coffee and doing this like a real podcast, so this is really exciting. I'm so glad that you are tuning in, and if I have not gotten the chance to meet you yet, my name is Claire, and I am our high school associate pastor at Purpose Church, and I am so excited about this brand new series that we've started together called Eight Questions Every High Schooler Should Ask and Answer About Christianity. And this series is actually inspired by a book written by um, a woman who loves Jesus. She's from Great Britain, and her name is Rebecca McLaughlin. And she wrote a book with a very similar title called 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. And this is a book that actually our student leadership team read and studied and discussed together all of last year. And we had... um, such fruitful discussions. It was so helpful for all of us that we decided we wanted to do this with all of HSM. So we turned it into our fall series. So if you're interested in the questions that we are talking about, the topics, if you are desiring to grow a more confident faith, I would challenge you to buy this book and read it along with us as we are going through this series. And um, also exciting news, Rebecca, the author, just started a podcast called Confronting Christianity, which is her book of similar topics that she wrote for adults. And she just started a podcast with the same name. So if you are interested in digging deep, I recommend buy the book, listen to the podcast, and follow along. And the reason why we're so passionate about this series and this these ideas is because all of us have big questions. If we're all honest, you and me, we all have big questions. They might be questions about God, faith, maybe your identity, how the world works, your purpose in it. And maybe these questions keep you up at night and the answers to them can really dictate whether or not you decide to follow Jesus with your whole life for the rest of your life and maybe now being on social media maybe you watch a 30 second Instagram reel or TikTok that when you're done it feels like your whole faith is shattered and as your staff as as your leaders we've been seeing this and we just felt so strongly that the lord was asking all of us to put in some work to grow deeper roots in our faith and as we get started i want to lay out just three ground rules for asking god your big questions three ground rules they're very simple ask listen 
and stay. Wherever you're at, in your car, listening, say out loud with me the first rule, one, two, three, ask. Ask your big questions because God is the safest place that you could ever be. God can take, he can handle your big questions. And that is very good news for us because God is God. He has all authority, all wisdom, all power. And yet he doesn't say, trust me blindly. He wants our whole heart. He wants to love us. He wants us to love him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls. And so he wants us to come to him in honesty and he will be with us as we wrestle with our big questions. He doesn't leave us. So be brave enough to ask your questions when you have them. But it's not enough to just ask your big questions. You have to take the next step. And the next step is listen. Say that out loud with me. One, two, three. Listen. Listen for God's voice. After you ask a big question and you're not hearing from God, ask yourself, is my Bible closed? Am I spending time reading the letter that he's written for me? The ways that he's revealed himself to me? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I making time for that? And then recognize that the Lord is with us. He wants to listen to you, but he's also given us each other. So when a fellow student asks a big question in your life group, don't ridicule them. Show them grace. Show them patience. And what if you walked with the people in your life group, with the people at HSM, your friends, when they had big questions. Together, let's make HSM a safe place. You've heard us say that before if you've been around for a while. We want HSM to be one of the safest places that you can ask any question and seek honest answers. If God is the safest place that we can be, we want HSM to be like second best. And then finally, ground rule number three, stay. Say that out loud with me. One, two, three, stay. Stay committed even when you don't get the answer that you want when you want it. We won't get all the answers to all of our questions in this life. We are finite. God is infinite. His ways are not our ways. So while we can wrestle with him for answers, we won't get them all on this side of heaven. But we can trust God's wisdom and his power because we can trust his character. HSM, you have a choice. You can either lean into God with your questions or you can pull away and miss out on getting to know God better. And as one of your pastors, it is my great hope and prayer that you would always choose to lean in so that you might graduate from HSM, you might graduate from this place with a stronger, more confident faith. And now that we have our ground rules, ask, listen, and stay, let's use those to dive into our first big question of our series, and that's this. Isn't Christianity against diversity? That's a big question. Isn't Christianity against diversity? Now, when you ask a big question like that, a helpful next step is asking, where does that question come from? Why am I wondering this? Why is the world wondering this? And for tonight's question, I think it comes from 
maybe three, three major places. I think the first place that this question comes from is that there is a perception that Christianity is a basically white Western religion. That, that it's a religion specifically and exclusively for people who are white and Western, Westerners. I think another place that this question comes from is that some people might not know that much about the Bible, but they do know that Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God. And that feels a little bit exclusive. That feels, um, yeah, not inclusive of other religions. And then the last reason, kind of related to the second one, is that people think that Christians are intolerant of people who are different than them. And those last two reasons we are actually going to talk about throughout this series, um, actually starting with um, Kyle Hart, who is here week two, talking about, can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? And right now, we are going to focus on that first reason for this question, and that's that perception that Christianity is a basically white Western religion. And to be honest, that perception is often not without some merit, that sadly, there are a lot of examples of white Westerners who claim to be Christians, who choose to harm and oppress people from other racial or cultural backgrounds, instead of welcoming them, instead of getting to know them and sharing the good news with them. And so a lot of people in our world, they see those examples and they think, well, Christianity is all about white Westerners keeping power over others. And the problem with that is that while those examples may be true, they are so far from God's heart. The short answer to this question is this. Christianity isn't against diversity. And actually, Christians are called to sacrificially and faithfully love others across differences. And how can we know this to be true? Well, we have to put in some work and you have to get ready for the long answer here. The short answer is Christianity isn't against diversity. The long answer is we need to look at a couple of places, and we need to start by looking to Jesus, our Savior and our teacher. Look to Jesus. Did you know that Jesus himself was a brown-skinned Middle Eastern Jewish man? And that means that any sort of pictures or paintings or movies showing Jesus as a white man That's actually an inaccurate depiction of how God, Emmanuel, God with us, chose to dwell on earth, 100% God and 100% man. And Jesus was the inventor of diversity, that God is the creator of life. And when you look around at life, even if you look at plants and animals, if you look at the difference between mountains and deserts, and when you look at the differences of people, God, the creator of life, created diversity. That means that God made people from Europe and Africa, Asia, South America, Antarctica, everywhere, that God chose to make Black Americans, white Americans, Asian Americans, and Native Americans. God delights in making people with all different kinds of skin color, 
eye color, hair type, and body type, all the things because he makes us all in his image. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, this is our creation account in our Bibles. And it says, scripture says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created everyone in his image. So we all have value. That's why we all have this inherent value and beauty and purpose is because God created each of us in his image. Maybe you've heard of this phrase, Imago Dei. That's the Latin translation of of that phrasing in Genesis, made in God's image, that all of us as humans have God's likeness. We share in God's likeness. But again, we are also all different And that is beautiful. We can appreciate God's creativity and brilliance in creating diversity when we learn about our own ethnicities, as well as when we learn and appreciate the ethnicities of others. And our differences become even more special and beautiful and intentional when we choose to be united, even across differences, together in God alone. So do you see how then it breaks God's hearts, God's heart when one ethnicity or culture demeans another? How racism, how intolerance, how slavery, especially based on race, how hatred, how a lack of empathy and unity dishonors the beauty that God has created, dishonors the imago Dei in every single person how it breaks God's heart, how that is so far from God's heart. Christianity doesn't just desire diversity for diversity's sake. Our author of our book, Rebecca McLaughlin, says that Jesus commands not just tolerance of those who are different than us, but deep, expensive, unrelenting love. And that is also what Jesus exemplifies for us. Jesus is not just the inventor of diversity, but in his life, Jesus consistently crossed social barriers in order to love and save the entire world. Jesus consistently chose to cross barriers in order to love and save the entire world. If you are listening right now and you have your Bible, we are going to do a little survey right now. So get ready to flip. If you are driving, keep driving, focus on the road. But listen to just a few of the many examples of Jesus living this out. In Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, Jesus meets Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector. And the thing about tax collectors that so often with our modern eyes, we kind of miss these things when we read the Gospels, when we read the whole Bible, really. In Jesus's time, tax collectors had a terrible social reputation, that they were honestly hated, that they were seen as greedy, they were seen as oppressive, and nobody wanted to associate with a tax collector. And so how do you think Jesus will respond when he meets Zacchaeus? Well, in verse 5, Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this 
and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus saw Zacchaeus and didn't ridicule him, didn't ignore him for his social status. Instead, Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus's house. And Jesus didn't mutter along with the people about this sinner. Instead, Jesus rejoiced when Zacchaeus experienced his Savior, experienced Jesus. And Zacchaeus, verse 8, stood up and said to the Lord, Look, look, here I now give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. Flip over a few chapters to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And here we find Jesus telling a parable. And a parable is a symbolic story, and Jesus used a lot of these in his preaching. And here he's telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've heard of this before. And the Good Samaritan parable Jesus uses to describe how his followers should fulfill the second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor. So Jesus tells this story. He says that there is a man on a dangerous road who gets attacked by robbers and is left half dead, exposed on this road. And two people pass him by. And they don't help. A priest and a Levite, people who Jesus' listeners at the time would have thought, of course they'll help, but they don't. But the person who did was the third person to walk by this man. And he becomes the hero of this story, and he is a Samaritan. And immediately, Jesus' listeners, they would have heard that this Samaritan helped this man, and they would have been shocked. Because Jews and Samaritans at Jesus' time shared hundreds of years of animosity and intolerance towards each other. That neither group welcomed contact with the other. That these two ethnic groups, these two groups despised each other. And yet it is a Samaritan that God uses to demonstrate how one should love one's neighbor. That Samaritans, who Jews would not have wanted to associate, would not have wanted to even be close to, Jesus says, they are the example in this story who I want you to follow. In verse 36, Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, the Samaritan. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And now flip over to John chapter 4, where we find the woman at the well. And now this is a real interaction. It's no longer a story, but this is a, a real experience that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at a well. And in John chapter 4, we find that this woman is at the well with Jesus in the middle of the day. And Jesus asks her to draw her a drink of water. And in verse 9, Jesus, or the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
this Jews and Samaritans animosity. We've talked about that already with the parable of the Good Samaritan. But there are other barriers here that, again, we might miss with our modern eyes. First of all, Jesus was a man, and the woman at the well was, you know, she was well a woman. And at Jesus' time, it was so unusual in their culture for a man to initiate a conversation with a woman in public. And then, as we learn in the story, this woman is unholy. That she is running from relationship to relationship, not following God, not pursuing him. She's trying to find a man who will fulfill her. And Jesus is the most holy man that she would ever encounter in her life. So Jesus had every reason not to talk to this woman. Because first of all, he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. He was a man and she was a woman. She was unholy and he was holy. Jesus had every reason, every excuse not to talk to her. And yet Jesus did. And he doesn't just talk to her. He offers her living water, water that will forever satisfy because he was offering her a relationship with him, her savior. And the woman responds, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Friends, do you catch this? That Jesus did not let any social or religious barrier prevent him from sharing who he was with this woman. And remember, we are at the beginning of the gospel of John here. And so one of the first people who Jesus entrusts with his identity, one of the first people who Jesus shares the gospel with, shares that he is the savior who has come to seek and save the lost, to save the world. The first person who he entrusts this good news to is a Samaritan woman. Someone who at Jesus's time, the Jews would have thought is the least qualified to enter into the kingdom of heaven. One of the last people they would have ever expect to hold the gospel. It is this Samaritan woman who Jesus sees and says, I choose you. Here is the good news. Here is the gospel. I am he, the savior, the Messiah of the world. You see, Jesus constantly lived with a Matthew chapter 936 mindset where he looked out on the crowds in all of their diversity, in all of the ways they were different from him, different from each other. And he had compassion on each one of them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus constantly looked at others, even those who were different than him, and he had compassion for them. And if you are listening right now as a follower of Christ, can this same be said of you? Friends, we need to look to Jesus because he is our savior and he is our teacher of how to live for him here and now. And once we look to Jesus, then we can look to his church. And I'm talking here, the church. I'm talking the big capital C church. Did you know that today Christianity is the most diverse belief system in the world? That is, it is not just a religion for one type of person, for one type of ethnic group. But actually, there are Christians today 
living in roughly equal numbers in Europe, Latin America, and Africa, and a rapidly growing church in Asia. The body of Christ, the church, was designed to be diverse. And as we've seen, Jesus lived this. He modeled this for his church, but he also commanded it. The gospel, his good news, is for everyone everywhere. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, that's the Great Commission. That's where Jesus speaks to his disciples after he is risen from the dead. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of what? Of all nations. That the gospel isn't meant to just stop with one type of person. That it is meant to go out to all nations. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples and it is before he ascends into heaven and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to this good news, not just in your home, not just in your city, not just at your school but in your whole state, in your whole nation, to the surrounding nations, the ones you like and the ones you don't, all the way until the ends of the earth. God is all about his church becoming all of his creation in all of their diversity. Jackie Hill Perry says it like this, salvation isn't reserved for a particular kind of person. John 3.16 says that whoever believes in Christ shall not perish, but have eternal life, meaning anybody, anywhere, no matter the age, socioeconomic status, ethnicity, or even sin preference, salvation can happen for and to them. And then our girl, our author, Rebecca McLaughlin, says this, Christianity isn't just for people from one country, one culture, one race, or one language. It's for people from every country, every culture, every race, and every language. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we get a glimpse of how things are going to be at the end of time, when a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, will worship Jesus together. If you're a Christian, this is your destiny, and even now, it's becoming a reality. God is about everyone everywhere following Jesus. That's our vision here at Purpose Church, and that's not just something that we made up because it sounds cool. That's not something that we're saying because we want to be relevant. That's something that we're taking straight from Scripture, straight from the Word, just as we've seen everyone everywhere. God wants to follow him. But the church, as we recognize, has not always gotten this right. So if diversity is important to Jesus and his church, what is our proper response? I'm telling you, a good response is not to seek out certain people so that they check certain boxes for us and how they're different than us so that we can build a diverse church just for the sake of being diverse. No, a better response is noting who's around you at home, at school, on your teams, at church, in your life group, and moving towards people 
intentionally in the name of Jesus, even when they look, think, or act differently than you. And friends, that's the big challenging question for us tonight is who's one person different from you who you want to love like Jesus? And this is not something that we can do on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God in us in order to love those different than us. So another honoring response that we can have is by praying specifically for the people who are different than you. And and especially the people who are in your life as you're praying about, how can I love this person like Jesus? Start by praying for them. And every week here at HSM, we have a reading plan for you, a Bible reading plan, because we want all of us to be in the Word. If we are going to build a more confident faith, if we want to listen for God, we need to have our Word of God open. We need our Bibles open. So every week, we will have a plan for you to read throughout God's Word every day. And this week, you'll be reading about different instances of Jesus and the early church of how they responded to the gospel being all about everyone everywhere. But unique to this week's plan, you'll also read about times that Jesus moved towards, I'm sorry, unique to this plan, you will also have a prayer plan where you can pray for different people. And as you are praying, ask that God might reveal himself to those people. And that he might show you and give you opportunities to show others his love. HSM, as you dig into God's word and discover more of his heart, I believe that you will come to know for yourself that Christianity isn't against diversity. And see that instead, our God really is all about everyone, everywhere, following Jesus for his glory and for our growth. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone listening right now. Thank you that you didn't come to just save part of the world, that you didn't come just to save one kind of person, but you came to seek and save the lost, to save the entire world. And thank you that our vision of heaven that informs us of how we can live now is that people from every tribe, every nation, every language is surrounding your throne, worshiping you. Lord, would that change how we live for you now and help us to love others even when they are different than us, to be united in your name under your gospel. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.